0: Welcome to Revenue Radio, our podcast powered by KASUF. I am your host, Jeff Dance. I'm the Executive Director at KASUF Healthcare Solutions, where we strive to enhance the business of medicine for you, the practice manager, the physician, and the practice owner. Hey, it's good to be back in uh, on our podcast, Russ uh, Dorsey, who is our producer and uh He's also the director of our information technology here at KASUF. Uh, we're in our new uh, broadcast studio, so it's uh, it's great to be in here and uh, be a part of our, our new digs. Glad glad to be here. It took a little while to get into this room, but yeah. uh, but you moved a bunch of people down here too. That's so right. This works That's out. right. We're we're working hard to co you, you uh, got to stop growing yeah well th- <laughs> thanks thanks <laughs> Russ for all you do to help us uh, get this up and, and running and I know Tara Arrington in our in uh, our marketing and media relations department uh, is a big part of our production as well Hey, today uh, our special guest with us is Aaron Price. Aaron is uh, with Riverbank and Trust. It's good to have you here, Aaron. We're going to be talking uh, a little bit about how the banking industry impacts uh, that business of medicine, and uh, a little bit about uh, Aaron. I'll let you tell a bit more about yourself, but. Um, uh, Aaron has been in large corporate banking for 12 years. last five years or so, he's been in the finance division uh, with uh, Riverbank & Trust. He focuses on health care and helping our physicians and physician owners uh, in various different practice lines uh, make wise banking decisions, and uh, we're really a... Uh, 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 fortunate to have him here today and we thank you for your time and look forward to hearing from you as you uh, as you add value to our discussion as well as those who who uh, listen in and uh, we're going to we're just going to jump right in, Aaron, and and see where we go with this. I love it. I'm All right.
1: I'm appreciative of you having me on, and excited to be
0: talking. Good. Well, uh, our our kind of our focus today is going to be on the current banking considerations, kind of that environment and such. And so we hear a lot about the interest rates uh, spiking and some of what's going on with inflation and such. Tell us a little bit about how a practice owner. Uh, should be thinking as it relates to their current bank and financing uh, environment that they have to function within right now.
1: Yeah, we we are in, we are in a tough uh, we are in a tough rising rate interest rate environment. And uh, I have been working with with doctors for a long time within the, the healthcare segment, and and that can be you know um, a combination of things that can be. Uh, you know a a doctor looking at starting a practice that can be a doctor looking at acquiring a practice uh expanding a a practice and really supporting a doctor throughout all life cycles of practice ownership Mm -hmm. and and really you know when you think about that and you think about you know the interest rate environment that we are in it is is a tough rising rate environment you know um think about this week the the Federal Reserve uh, met to review uh, the Fed funds rate and they um, they chose not to increase that rate um, so that the Fed fund rate is kind of the rate that banks will borrow from other banks right so mm-hmm. you're almost consider that as your your wholesale deposits right. and, and so that's that rate stayed the same but the Federal Reserve said, hey you know we are probably going to increase interest rates here over the next six months so you guys just be prepared Mm -hmm. Um, and when you kind of tie that fed fund rates to you know a doctor specifically think about think about prime interest rate and and that's really your interest rate that your most qualified borrowers are going to you know obtain for working capital uh, even think you know their their personal homes home equity lines of credit that's kind of your your bank's variable interest rate and and so that interest rate you know that that's at eight and a quarter as of today so um and then even tying it a little further you know you know doctors have uh, they have invested a lot of time within their education and their careers and, and being successful they may have gone to work you know with a residency and, and are specialized within their field. And so as a banker, you know, you know I know that they have put the time in to be successful within their career. And uh, so the, their interest rate, you know, environment is usually a little more competitive than prime.
0: All right. right. Uh, I guess one point you made uh, in our some discussion prior to is that <clears throat> sometimes you think of a physician being uh, a borrower at every stage of his or her life, uh, through med school and uh, then trying to get into their practice, some of the th- enhancements and things that have to happen. Uh, sometimes we're in adjustable rate uh, type of uh, environments and situations. Uh, as a as a physician owner or an owner of a practice, what 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 should the doctor be thinking? Yeah. So I know there's the stay out of debt, but sometimes you have to have that ongoing just to keep normal operations in place. And that's not always a bad thing, but man, if I get into an adjustable rate, what, what am I, what am I thinking?
1: Yeah. So obviously it it takes a little money to make a little money, right? And so there, there are life cycles within a doctor's career that, that they're borrowing that money. And, uh, it's a full cycle. And for a banker, you know, it obviously makes for a fantastic client, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're going to, um, you know, borrow a little money when they uh, get their student loans, then they're probably going to purchase that first house. And then it comes time to either start that practice or buy into the practice, uh, acquire a practice. And so um, a banker that understands healthcare can support that doctor throughout all life cycles of, of practice ownership. And then, you know, we, we do have, uh, there, are, there are a lot of different loans out there for doctors. And so uh, there are some adjustable rate uh, commercial loans. And, you know, if you're working with a healthcare banker that kind of understands your, your specific practice goals, to me, I think tying that debt to that specific practice goal is extremely important, right? Let's say, you know, you have a doctor that is looking to start a practice, right? Let's, let's use a dentist for an example. The sexiest uh, dental loan right now on the market is probably a, a fixed 15-year rate, right? Mm-hmm. But if that doctor is 30, 35 years old, you know, do they really need a 15-year term? Uh, for that money, may, maybe not, because you know, as they get older, let's they don't want to be paying that debt when they're 45 years old. So, for me, uh, as a healthcare banker, understanding and knowing what specific practice goals that that practice owner has, when something does come due, you know, let's say that that dentist that took that 15-year money, if we're talking and we're having proactive conversations, we're we're going to be trying to pay that debt. Let's say seven years, because I think the statistic is maybe ninety percent of all healthcare loans are paid off within seven years. So if we know that doctor's goal is to expand or purchase commercial real estate down the road, then hey, let's be aggressive and let let's find a term that that meets that that goal that's coming due. So mm-hmm. you know maybe hey, you you got a doctor that wants to purchase a piece of equipment, but they're still um, three four hundred thousand dollars of debt let's you know let's plan let's understand that the goal is to expand the practice and let's tie let's let's make sure that existing debt if it's coming due let's tie it to hey a couple years and then we'll
0: purchase that equipment so then we're expanding we're not just refinancing past debt and i think part of the the value that someone like yourself brings to a client to the, the 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 customer is this whole idea that you're specializing in healthcare. you understand kind of the life cycle of a physician, a physician practice, and again, be it dentist or, or uh, on the medical side <clears throat> and the, the various specialties that come about, but you kind of, you know where they're coming from, where they're trying to get to, being able to speak their language and staying in that industry is really important to a, a physician client. Uh, and how they need to structure their not only the banking relationship but the financing that needs to come about through all of that i I would absolutely agree and and understanding the
1: structure is is very important and understanding the practice goal is very important so so you don't want uh you don't want a loan to have you know an adjustable rate if the goal is to you know hey we're going to purchase equipment right We, we don't want to put that doctor in a, in a loan that maybe is an interest only payment for a longer period of time. So mm-hmm. understanding what that doctor is doing specifically with the capital is crucial to, to help and support that doctor.
0: So, yeah, we know cash is king. Everybody needs to, to hold that cash. Uh, we hear all the, 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 discussion back and forth about it and such. Uh, the banks now seem to be promoting more of a hey we we'd like your deposits more so than what can we do to finance you right 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 now. Um, how does that look on the balance sheet? Not not trying to get into a big accounting uh, question here, but but what's the strategy behind some of that? And from the from the giver of the money, you know, right the the physician. And the owner making the lo- or the uh, the deposit, but also what is it the bank is trying to also do for, a- it, abso- for its client?
1: Absolutely. So w- when you think about Riverbank and Trust, we're we're a community bank, right? We mm-hmm. we are taking local community deposits, and we are making local loans to small businesses in Alabama, right? And so you know when we have a A deposit when we when we go after the community and and we're able to help onboard some deposits we can take that money and in turn put it to work in small business loans and so i had mentioned the fed fund rate so there's two ways to make loans right you can loan your money or you can borrow uh, money via the fed fund rate so if you're thinking you know hey if we've got local deposits and in return if we've gathered those deposits we can lend those out at a competitive interest rate versus paying you know, five and a quarter, and then and then still needing to make a spread to cover overhead costs uh, for the bank, and and so if we can gather deposits from that uh, small business from the from the doctor, in return we can go out to the community and make those deposits, and and as it relates to the the practice owner, you know, you know think about. Um, thinking about being a quality applicant, right? Mm-hmm. If the bank is is only going to get a loan out of the, the transaction, you know, then you may experience some higher pricing, right? The, there may be a little more risk involved because there aren't deposits in, in that bank account. Um, and so it's important for a doctor to be working on uh, building their assets, right? And, and on the bank side, you uh, um, Deposits are a liability, right? We we owe you those deposits if you want to come get get a deposit or make a withdrawal. On the you know, on our side, the loan is an asset, but on the practice side, it, it is truly an asset because um, when we go to evaluate the overall snapshot of that doctor, you know, a strong cash position is a crucial, crucial part of just you know, underwriting and and getting comfortable with approving a practice loan. And then think down the road as your practice grows, you know, if you've done a great job of saving, you know, you may not need to borrow money. You can right. use that cash to expand. And then if you do want to borrow money, the money's in the bank. And so now, you know, opposite side of the corn, you're going to get a very strong interest rate because, hey, that money's with the bank. You All know, right. we know you can go pay cash for that. So we want to be competitive when when we do have a full relationship and and in a community bank that the deposits are, are life and soul of a community bank very important. Piece. So let,
0: let's follow that real quick uh, on just a, a just a little bit of a rabbit trail. Uh, we've heard some of the uh, situations with the banks failing and and that and some some. Uh, depositors may be a little leery of the community bank setting it's may have that persona as being a a little more perception has been a little bit smaller riskier and and what would you what would you tell because i mean we've got clients in rural areas of alabama and other parts of the of the country and the, the the community bank stands it is it's it's the deal and uh they need to uh uh, promote themselves how what's the what's the security factor or how do you how do you pitch that message that that you're you're yep. not going to fail so riverbank we
1: we take local deposits in in the state of alabama and we make loans to small business and homeowners in the state of alabama and you know we have been in business since 2006 and when you think of uh when you think of Alabama state chartered banks, you have one very large uh, national bank that's home here. Then you have a regional bank that's about uh, $12 billion in assets, and River Bank is $3 billion in assets. And so I think the average size of our deposit customer is about $50,000, um, and so well below of having anything uh, centralized or anything concentrated. I mean, we're making very smart loans to, to small business owners in the state of Alabama. Uh, we are rapidly growing as well. We're expanding. The The bank is, um, we just opened our 23rd location in Florence. And so, you know, Birmingham, we've been going for a year strong now. Uh, we have offices in uh, Montgomery. So the bank was started in Prattville, Montgomery, uh, Auburn, Clanton, Huntsville, again, Mobile, Birmingham. And, uh, I would focus on leadership, right? So we have very local leadership, very seasoned bankers. I, I'm on a team of, of 17 now here in Birmingham, and we, uh, have the local credit authority to, uh, transact and, and bankers understand when you're working with seasoned bankers, they understand, uh, what a good deal is and, and what, you know, a good debt service coverage is. And they understand, you know, how to loan money to businesses that will be successful. And so uh, you've just got a lot of, lot of seasoned bankers within Riverbank and Trust. And you look at the California banks that, you know, may have had very large depositors, think of uh, large accounts. And and so uh, strong bank and excited to be a part of it. And I, I left a big corporate bank to mm-hmm. go work for Riverbank and Trust. And so, uh, really, it's been a, a, a fun, fun opportunity. It's been uh, hard work, but um, it's, it's a good bank with great leadership. And, in fact, our CEO is here in Birmingham today. He's out making calls. I, I may get in trouble for being on this podcast.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll be glad to vouch for you, and uh, uh, he, can, he can take it up with me. Uh, so, again, not promoting one over the other per se, but uh, I somehow a relationship is built, a decision's made, I want to change banks, I want to move those deposits uh, over uh, to a bank, what what are some things that I need to be thinking about as it relates to that, or even if, I don't want to necessarily uh, mutually exclusive, exclusively uh, uh, stop one and start another, but what might be some considerations I need to be thinking about as a practice owner, manager, director, something along those lines, where I'm making that decision? What do I need to think about as I uh, change banks, open a new bank account with a new bank? Uh, what What are some steps that would be required? Well, you know, you know, you, everybody gets this thought
1: process in their head that man. Ba- changing banks is just brutal but in today's world with the technology it is just a simple process and if you're working with a seasoned banker that not only wants but appreciates your your banking relationship they're going to go above and beyond to to earn that business and and speaking for you know riverbank where where, uh, i work we use the power of technology to reach out there and you know, hey, if if we have a great conversation and there's an opportunity for me to support your practice, I'm going online. I'm I'm grabbing your articles of formation or incorporation online, and hey, I'm I'm going to have a conversation with you, kind of understand your practice goals, your practice needs, and, mm-hmm. and we will make sure, you know, that that we're in the right type of account uh, for your practice. But it's so easy with the power of technology, and I've got a, a great team member that I work with that, that not only after we onboard you, we're going to make sure that, you know, hey, you, you, checks are received, you know, debit cards in hand, uh, interest rate that is, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're paying for some deposits right now. And so making sure everything is set up correctly the first time, and it is a painless process. So uh, I would say if your banker isn't appreciative of your business, if they aren't calling proactive, mm. you know, making sure that uh, your practice goals or needs are, are being met. Uh, right now, the the interest rate environment, yes, it's high on loans, but it's also high on the deposit side, right? right? And so, uh, if you have a large balance sitting at a, a bank and they're not paying for it, then hey, I will, you know any banker would welcome a conversation to to try to earn that
0: business and review what the, they can offer for you. Good. Yeah. So that kind of reviewing and helping helping uh, an owner out um, and um, another type of change is, the, say I have a line of credit with a bank, at what point do I, I want to term out that balance that's still out there and um, what what are some of the strategies of terming out a – A line of credit. Maybe explain a little bit of that for us. Yeah,
1: working capital is crucial for a business to succeed. There is no if-ends or buts. And I love providing working capital to small business owners in the state of Alabama to to help those businesses grow. Uh, And so, if you're working with a banker and, and you know within the healthcare segment, if they understand how you're going to use that working capital. Um, You know, sometimes you may not want to put an equipment loan on a working capital line of credit, right? So communicating with the banker and understanding and knowing what your goal is and how you're going to use that working capital is so crucial because if you think about a working capital line of credit, think about, you know, maybe a doctor and they're wanting to to onboard another doctor, right? And Mm -hmm. they know that that practice is going to increase collections 100,000. So let's say, hey, we we don't want to use all our cash to pay that doctor's salary. A, a perfect example of a working capital line of credit would be, hey, let's go ahead and fund this doctor's salary thirty forty thousand. We know we got a hundred coming into the bank, and, and let's go ahead and pay off that line. So so to me, understanding you know how the capital is going to be used is important. But but if there is a balance, let's let's say you let's say you borrowed some money to start a practice, right? If you were working with a specific healthcare banker, they would understand and know how to structure that loan. They would understand to, let's maybe look at a closed ended line of credit, right? Where we give the doctor maybe a year to kind of go do the project, maybe build out some, uh, some leasehold improvements, buy some equipment, you know, advertise. There's some legal costs, but let, let's say the doctor goes and does a project and then, I've approved them for five hundred thousand, and we end up using maybe two hundred thousand of that loan so you're you're going to you know we're going to have a structure in place to where in the beginning we're going to turn that debt out after that project phase and then we're going to maybe have some ramp up payments in the beginning and then start really getting after maybe have a partial payment and then really getting after you know full payment in year three, so allowing some ramp up time. Mm-hmm. And so think about having a structure in place in the beginning versus, man, let's go get a, a big line of credit and keep that balance on it because most working capital lines are interest-only payments, and you
0: don't want the doctor to be in a situation of just paying interest-only. Right. right. So then terming it out would it, get you sort of the principal and the interest and get you moving to ex- exactly You're paying that debt down. But right? that doesn't... Prevent you from uh, you uh, me as the let's uh, the the owner of the practice uh to open up another line to start a new line over again, right?
1: On, could, mo- on most not not all, I would say most working capital lines we're we're gonna have a renewal period. We're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna make sure that hey that this line's been responsibly paid and that we're using it correctly. But you know, hey doctor wants to expand and buy some equipment. Let's look at the specific product for that you know let's look at an equipment loan right yep. let's look at hey we need to do some build out well we we may not want to just have an interest only payment for a long period of time so we've got a um,
0: uh, a few more minutes i want to hit two more uh, thoughts before we before we wrap i know one of those is going to be near and dear to uh, to russ's heart so he'll probably jump in with a, a comment or two as we relate to fraud but um before i do that <laughs> it may Maybe some folks might think uh, that the bank fees are, are fraudulent, but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll address that. I, you know, again, I feel like I'm just getting hit with more and more fees, fees, fees. Uh, what are some strategies? What what's a conversation that someone feels like they can have with their banker that uh, could be productive, help them out? Is it is it just a matter of asking and and I know you guys got to stay in business. We all have to stay in business. We're trying to watch costs. You're trying to watch revenues and such. How how can someone uh, think through a fee structure with, with their banker?
1: Yeah, and I would say communication, right? Communication is key. And working with a banker that you trust and that if there are fees associated with the account, let's understand what those fees are, right? Let's understand... What you're paying for. Um, a lot of the larger banks will, and, and when we talk fees, it's it's mostly uh, treasury management fees. Uh, so you'll have a lot of advanced online banking services for mm-hmm. that practice, and it's about understanding what that practice needs and then charging accordingly, right? right you know, a lot of the larger banks will just, they'll have a bundle package. And so what happens is that you're paying for services that you may not need. And in that bundle, you may have remote deposit, you may have positive pay, you may have uh, ACH uh, wires, debits and credits, and then uh, you may have a wire uh, module. So, you know, with Riverbank, we're going to understand your specific need I don't think a dental practice needs to have the ability to send 20 wires a month, right? So we're not going to we're not going to charge you for that, right? Uh, uh, and if there is um, if there is a monthly service fee, you know, we have a very very strong uh, earnings credit to where we're going to offset you know those fees mm-hmm. if you're keeping a strong balance w- within the bank account. So uh, hey, letting the letting the banker understand what that specific fee is for. Let's say you're in urgent care, right, and, and you're getting $10,000 in cash a day. It may be worth paying a little extra money to have a, a safe at your practice right. and putting that cash in there. But,
0: right. but not everybody is going to pay right. for that, right? So I'd rather just, use a lockbox and <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, let right. somebody else handle it. But that's there's a there right. that's another service and an opportunity, uh, again, with the, the bank to, to help right. out the
1: we don't want to be paying for, you know, we don't want a customer to be paying for a lockbox if well, they don't need it. Exactly. Certainly. Yep. So understanding those goals, you know, streamlining those payments for the customers and, and making sure that they are truly in the right products and services, uh, I would say that is the goal of the banker. Um,
0: well, speaking of security and lockboxes and such, uh, real quick, uh, and you mentioned positive pay. A lot of times we see that as a fee that we may not need. But uh, what, what is positive pay? What are some things you're seeing from a fraud standpoint you and I have uh, talked about this in the past. Uh, give us a, a quick thought on on fraud. Uh, don't do it, right? <laughs> but uh, what are what are some things that, from from your perspective, you're seeing that could help the listener uh, out in the banking world? What What are you seeing, and what what could what could help us to to well, know right now?
1: Well, fraud is out there. Uh, it's it's not uh, if it'll happen. It's when it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, you know, I think the statistic is you know, of every small business, 56% or, you know, some type of fraud happens to them every two years. And so it it will happen. Uh, And it's about understanding your internal controls, right? What can you do to eliminate paper? What can you do to eliminate, you know, your account number just being out there? Uh, Some internal things that I have seen, and and this is, you know, within the last couple weeks. So you know, office manager may be uh, receiving checks and marking paid via QuickBooks, uh, right? And then that money doesn't get in the bank account. And, and it may not be a lot of money, you know, but think about a time period of over a year right. where you've gotten a fraudulent check or, you're, you know, that, that employee has siphoned uh, $150 here and there, and it certainly adds up.
0: So but it could be. It could it, be a lot of money. Exactly. Right? It, it is yeah. a lot of money over a period of time. Right. It
1: could be a large check, right? Yeah. Uh, and so as they get deeper and deeper into it, I think, you know, something like that can happen. Uh, wire fraud is just, it's out there. It happens all day, every day. You know, think about an example that, that, uh, that I deal with very often is a doctor wanting to purchase equipment, right? And somebody has compromised that doctor's email or maybe that sales rep's email and then. You know they see the communication going back and forth of like, hey, let's do, let's, oh, we're ready to purchase this equipment. Mm-hmm. It's time to send payment, right? And then that fraudster comes in and they throw the invoice in with their routing and account number in, and then all of a sudden, a hundred thousand dollars is, is out of the bank. Right. and And so, you know, be careful who you're doing business with. You know, reputable suppliers yep. and vendors, people that have that technology in place is is very important. Um, anything you can do to eliminate paper. But, uh, you know, you mentioned positive pay, and, and that's the service that the bank will provide. And essentially, we're just letting you check to make sure, you know, there's there's a few types of positive pay. We, we can check on checks where we're going to verify some information, right? We're going to make mm-hmm. sure that the check number, that the amount, that the payee, it, you, you may turn in a, a, the 10 checks, 20 checks that you've written for the day, and then you're going to upload a file, and then we may say, "Hey, this this one was not in those checks that you let us know. Do you want to pay or do you want to decline?" Yeah, right? and that's
0: big with uh, especially patient refunds, and you know just getting them out there. It's just a it's a list of names, right. and you don't the bank doesn't know those from anyone else. The practice should know, but what happens if somebody ghosts a a, a check in there and it it's routed you know to to their family member or friend or something else i mean it's we don't want to be paranoid but we got to be right. really respectful of of what could happen during the day's time yep yep
1: and then think about on the ach side of things like if you're working with the same vendors we, we can go in and approve those vendors for a, a certain amount we can say hey let's we're comfortable paying a thousand to three thousand to this vendor but you know, if, this, if the vendor is not on the list, we do not want to pay that, right. right? And so, or if it's a, a 10 times that amount, maybe somebody's keyed in an, an extra zero, right? Whoa, red flag. Let's make sure that we decline this and, and get with them to see why they're trying to debit 30000 instead of 3000 Yeah,
0: we've, so, got, we've got multiple step controls. So the person requesting the, for instance, the patient refund versus the, the one who actually keys it into QuickBooks. That's different. The person who's watching the bank is different from the person who's actually keying the refund, and then the one who signs it is even different. So there's four steps to actually getting that check. I know it's paper, but getting that check out the door back to that patient or the insurance company on any type of refund so and it's it's all documented it comes the check just doesn't come from a sick for a signature it's got to have the backup with it and uh, again that's some paper but the word to the practice is don't just have one person doing everything right
1: dual, dual control is, yeah. is so important and, yeah. and unfortunately those policies that 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 you guys and the, the practice have have implemented are from the result of fraud, right? Right. So you've strengthened that process, which is crucial right. uh, to protecting. Because the fraudsters are out there. I mean, they they are so. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, Aaron, as we wrap today, and again, thinking about the banking environment, I know a lot of folks, um, you know, the, the, the common thought is, if, you know, don't go into business if you can't afford your accountant and your, your, and your lawyer, you really can't afford to go into business without knowing who your banker is and, and such. What are some, some kind of closing strategies or thoughts real quick as we, as we wrap today's podcast?
1: Well, well, I will say, as a community banker, the relationship that you just mentioned it, it is crucial, and and, and we are, um, you know, there to support support you uh, throughout all phases of practice ownership, and and working with somebody that understands that is very is very important, and so the the value that uh, a, a banker that understands your industry it's it's priceless and that could be as simple as as me making an introduction to you uh for that doctor to say hey you you know um and you kind of go in and and doing your thing and and providing the consulting services that you do but uh high level you know as a community bank it's just uh it's just a a different process we're very hands-on we know our customers uh, we know the goals that they
0: have to meet, and, and we're certainly there uh, to support them uh, any way we can. Very good. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for giving your time today. It's uh, been a true pleasure and uh, learned a lot. And um, I wanted to uh, just make sure that, uh, <clears throat> you know, again, it's just another part and another facet of what we do in practice management is knowing that, that banking environment. So, anyway, with that, we're going to sign off. We want to thank you for being a part of our revenue radio here, powered by Kasuf. Again, I'm your host, Jeff Dance. I'm the executive director at Kasuf Healthcare Solutions. Russ, thank you for uh, getting us through today. And uh, we are always available to help enhance the business of medicine in your practice as the practice manager, the physician, and the practice owner. Thanks and have a great day. And we will see you back with another segment in our revenue radio.